Thank you, I'll just pray. We're in Matthew chapter 6, but let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for our salvation and that the gospel works and it's powerful and your kingdom is advancing. Lord, in the remainder of this time, I'm asking, Lord, that you'd help us by teaching us to pray. Keep working on us, Lord. Keep motivating us. Keep gracing us to enjoy prayer, to find the privilege and the honor in it, to find our feet in it practically, Lord, and to grow a strong culture here of prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Good to see you. I've been putting on weight. In fact, in the four and a half years I've been with you, I'm a little bit bigger than I was. It's not that I'm blaming you. It's just I'm observing those two things, the four and a half years of being here, and I, I, I'm a bit more like Zoe's hamster, but without the excuse of that being my you know, normal digestion technique of just stuffing my cheeks. I have a number of grace evidence in my life, and one of the grace evidences in my life is I have a wonderful wife and a lovely youngest daughter, both of whom are great bakers. Wonderful. Thank you, Lord, for this. And sometimes we do sit around after a nice meal, and we, we, we decide together, we agree together that we're not going to have any more puddings or cakes or biscuits in the house. Uh, we're, not, we're just going to have a, a one-course meal, and that should be sufficient. Yeah, we agree and yeah, nod. There's lots of agreement around the table for this. But of course, there are some unspoken exceptions, aren't there? Uh, and of course, there will be. So uh, I see uh, my wife baking three tray bakes of chocolate cake uh, on Sunday. Oh, what's this for? Oh, it's for the baby cafe. Oh, the baby cafe on, on Monday morning, yeah, Monday afternoon. Great, wonderful. How many tend to come to the baby cafe? <laughs> yeah, okay. So unsurprisingly, therefore, maybe at least one of these tray bakes return on Monday afternoon. Now, as good parents, we, we encourage our daughter to revise for her GCSEs. We would do, wouldn't we? We are very good like that. And, of course, that means, therefore, she needs to practice again and again and again in readiness for her food tech practical. <laughs> so, two recipes she's been doing. We've had 72 profiteroles already this week. <laughs> of excellent quality, I must add. And there's a roulade, a chestnut roulade, waiting in the fridge for this afternoon. But, you know, we also, I think, like to believe that we have a righteous attitude to food waste. Don't like food waste. <laughs> uh, it's on trend, that message, isn't it? Don't like food waste. And so once upon a time, you see, we had these beautiful cake tins that went in the larder. The problem with that is, you see, you forget, don't you? They're there. And then you go there, oh, I wonder if there's any cake, and they've gone off. Moldy. Food wastes. It's the sin of our age. And, and so now what we have, thanks to somebody in this church who remained nameless, uh, rather than a tin, we have a glass dome. And any spare cake that we haven't for our own consumption, uh, that just happens to be spare, goes in the, under this glass dome on the work surface, no longer in the larder. It's just so we don't forget that it might be there. And you know what? They call, they speak. Outside, out of this glass case. Ooh, here I am. 
uh, eat me, and the volume gets louder the fewer people are in the house. <laughs> eat me! I'm trying to work here. I'm in another room, but I know they're there. I know they're looking at me. I'm just going to have a look. Yeah, like they are, they are. As you can, and you can imagine the rest. It's possible to take one and rearrange it. That's the beauty of home baking. You see, if they were in those Mr. Kipling trays, you would know, wouldn't you? There were four. Anyway, we're learning to pray. Um, some of it will come behind me, but we're in Matthew 6, and we're looking at the last section of the Lord's Prayer. And you may remember that at the beginning of this little mini-series back in January, I stated a conviction of mine. Now, I think the best thing, church, we can do in developing a strong and growing culture of prayer, which we've said in our vision statement, you can get the booklet at the back if you're new, we want to do over these five years, the best thing I think we can do is to learn to use the Lord's Prayer as our framework when we pray. Whether it's five minutes most days, 15 minutes or 50 minutes, the Lord's Prayer is given to us by Jesus to use as our structure, as our launch pad. It's more than good advice. It's coming from Jesus and his teachings. So we've looked at it under five headings, and maybe these headings will help you remember the content of it. We've looked at the Father's character. Our Father in heaven, it says, hallowed be your name. We've looked at the Father's kingdom. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We've looked at the Father's provision. Give us today our daily bread, it says in the prayer. We've looked at the Father's forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And today, we're going to look at the last section. We've given it the title, if you like, the Father's protection. Let's look at it together. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Is it for you? You can answer it if you want. Um, There are a couple of specific challenges I think we face when we get to that part of the prayer. The first challenge is we don't get round to this bit. We've run out of time. I don't know if you've ever found that. I've found that even on occasions when I give myself an hour to pray, and that gives me just over 10 minutes for each of these sections, somehow I have to cram in in the last gasp of the hour, oh, at least it's not in the temptation to deliver us from evil. Why is that? Well, sometimes it's for good reason. Sometimes, I must say, despite myself and what I came to prayer with, the Holy Spirit has helped me through these frameworks to, to pray all sorts of things I had never thought of praying. And the time's run out. That's a good reason, I suggest. But other times, it's because maybe I've been distracted. I mean, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Oh, yeah, yeah, what's that? Or sometimes, uh, I drift off. Do you do that? Your kingdom come, your will be done. I wonder if honey nut loops and Cheerios are the same essential ingredients, whether there's some nutritional benefit in one over the other. And sometimes I, sometimes I even doze off. <gasps> Can you believe one of your leaders dozing off in prayer? Yeah. And forgive us. Oh, dear. 
And uh, uh, it happens sometimes. So that's one of our challenges with this part of the prayer. Another challenge is we find this line a little bit puzzling. We're not quite sure what to do with it. I like to think that left to our own devices, if Jesus hadn't given us this prayer, we might have come up with something fairly similar. I think we know that prayer starts in worship. Our Father in heaven, it starts there. We understand that. We come to him to worship him. I think instinctively we'd know that we would need to pray for others to come into God's kingdom, to be saved, like we've heard today, praying for the Alpha, praying for my neighbors, praying for my family who aren't believers yet. We instinctively know to pray for God's healing in other people, for the people we know who are hurting, for God's kingdom to come. We know, don't we, to pray for guidance. Lord, I've got these decisions to make. I need your will to be known to me. I need to know where to go. I think we'd find it very easy to think of provision. Yes, Lord, I I need your help here. I I thank you for what you've provided for me. But, Lord, it's not stretching. We're we're struggling here. I need a bit more. Lord, help us to be good stewards of what you've given us. We'd understand that. I think even with a bit of maturity, we'd understand that the place of prayer is a moment to confess our sin. In fact, a lot of the man-made models of prayer put confession in as as a category. There it goes. Often near the beginning. Jesus puts it a bit later on. Quite interesting. I think we'd also understand that prayer is a moment because we've experienced God's forgiveness to forgive others. Yes, Lord, you've forgiven me. I will forgive others. I think we'll get there with a, you know, a bit of encouragement. But I wonder whether any of us, particularly in the West, would come up with any equivalent to lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. I wonder if we would. Thank you, Jesus. I want to talk about a couple of dangers that there are. One kind of danger is just simple risk. Now, some of us like a bit of adrenaline. Some of us like an adventure. Uh, and risk is an attraction. And so that is why uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, early one morning, 8.30, the snow was all around us, a bit of chill in the air. I trudged off on my own over the footbridge of the M25 behind us here, up the slopes of the North Downs. And I looked down while sitting on a bit of plastic. This what felt like 50% slope. It might be a bit less than that, but not much, is it? When you're coming down, it's straight. And I saw the brambles and the barbed wire at the bottom. And I said, go! And I went... And my hat went over my eyes. Oh, no! I peeled the hat off my eyes. And then I saw the brambles coming very close. And so I had to abandon ship because I'd pull my limbs out of this thing and it wasn't slowing down. It wasn't kind of going to a gracious halt. It wasn't sliding around like those kind of guys in the Olympics did. Whoo, at the end. It was just hurtling towards. So I bailed out in my best coat and my best jeans and my best shoes. And, uh, and lived to tell the tale. Uh, the plastic went into the bushes, and I said, let's do it again. And so I did do it twice. But there's another type of danger in this world that we shouldn't toy with. We shouldn't harbor. The danger is evil. You know, being a Christian is great. But we need to realize that as soon as we put our faith in Jesus, until the day we die... We are in a war. We are in a war. And if you're in Christ, you're on the front line of that spiritual battle. That's how the Bible teaches us to view our life. It's not a war in the traditional sense. It's not a war against people, but against evil. 
And it's, it's about the war with the evil spirits behind that evil. And it's a war with the evil one who is behind the evil spirits. In some versions of this prayer, it translates us, it has deliver us from the evil one. From the evil one. Because there is a created being pulling the strings of evil in this world. And we need to realize that. We also need to realize that the evil one hates us. The evil one hates you. He loathes you. Really? I'm the nicest person. And since Jesus has done some things in my life, I'm nicer. I'm not an offensive person. Who, who could have? I've never. Oh, he hates you. Partly because you remind him of Jesus. Because there's Jesus in you and all over you. Partly it's because you were once his, and now because Jesus has bought you by his blood and you've, you've received Jesus, your savior, Jesus has taken you. And he's, the devil has lost you. He is infuriated by that. It might feel unjust, it might feel irrational to you, but it doesn't change the facts. I've been um, reading an interesting history book. I'm finding actually the older I get, the more interested I am in history. Uh, as well as the larger I get, but that's another story. Uh, I've told you that one. And I'm reading, I've read this book, and it's been gripping on the Holocaust, a new history by Lawrence Rees, given a whole overview of that period of history in the World War II. Absolutely fascinating, but also horrifying. And one thing that I hadn't quite fully understood until reading it, it was that um, the Nazis were pretty much defeated. Uh, it was you know, just a matter of time, Yet, in that moment, they intensified the mass murder of Jewish people. They, they hotted that one up. You would have thought they might have tried to defend their borders a bit more, but no, no, they, they increased that determination when they knew they were defeated, but yet to be destroyed. And you, you, you try and understand why this book kind of looks a little bit at that. But in essence, it's because of someone powerful and influential behind it all who absolutely hates them. It's like that for us. Even though Satan was defeated by Jesus at the cross. Hallelujah. We've been celebrating it today. Even though... The devil's influence is limited, hallelujah, even though the devil's day of destruction has been set, hallelujah, he is lashing out indiscriminately to harm God's people and to neutralize them, to render them ineffective, to take them out of the game to distract them from God's mission. And he will do everything he can while he can to do that. Have you been to London Zoo? No, I was going to London Zoo. Well, I don't know if zoos are fashionable anymore, but never mind. Uh, I went to London Zoo once, and I turned this corner, <laughs> turned this corner, and suddenly, a metre away, was this lion standing up, staring right at me. I didn't even know I was near the lion's enclosure. And I don't want to repeat that millisecond. 
before I realized that the zoo probably employs some very good window cleaners. <laughs> there was a split second where I had no appreciation that there was any barrier between us. If you want a window cleaner, I know where to go, to ask, where to ask for one. You see, Satan is described in the Bible as a prowling lion looking for someone to devour. Not a pussycat. And really my point here as we just enter into this phrase of prayer is, is we need the Father's protection. We need his rescue. We need his deliverance. Just before Jesus was crucified, he, he, we found him in, in a garden with some friends. That's lovely. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? But actually, for Jesus, this was a moment of great spiritual attack. He said, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed with sorrow. I'm at the point of death, he admitted. And what did he do? We discover something there. Very insightful. He prayed. He prayed. He took some of his closest friends with him and wanted them to pray too, but they kept falling asleep. He said this to them, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, the Bible's full of teaching wisdom examples of what to do, what not to do against all the varied attacks and tactics of the evil one. And uh, I I haven't got time to give you a full full manual on it, but one thing we must do, Jesus teaches it us here, is we must pray. We must pray that we will overcome the enemy. We must pray that we would win our daily battles. We must pray that we will live victoriously. We've been singing it this morning. That's part of it. And let's apply that into our lives on a daily basis. Of course, we can pray in the moment. When the crisis comes, when the temptation is most acute, when the pressure is on and most intense. However, I think Jesus is teaching us here, yes, we do that, but we're also to pray for rescue in advance of those moments, beforehand. In fact, he wants it to be part of our ongoing prayer routine. The thing we pray about by default. Watch and pray, he said, so that you won't fall into temptation. Not not here, not in the garden, with each other around. This is fine, we're strong here. But we need to pray now for tomorrow and for the rest of today, for tonight, for what's coming. There are a couple of famous temptation examples in the Bible. Some of you will know them well. One is Joseph's story. Just get some water, excuse me. Joseph's story is one of, uh, I guess, riches to rags to riches. He started off as a favoured son with um, the best wardrobe in town and a bit of an attitude to match. And he got trafficked into slavery. Uh, But then God raised him up again, eventually to become the governor of Egypt. While on his way up, he became head servant of a prominent prominent Egyptian whose wife kept flirting with him. A single man, Joseph. One day, they were alone in the house, and the lady said to him, come to bed with me. And what I imagine happened then was there was only a cloud of dust where Joseph once was. As soon as the last word came from her lips, like one of those cartoons, just dust. And when the dust settled, there was his coat. He left his coat behind in his haste. There's another story. David, 
who also experienced a meteoric rise, really, from shepherd boy to national hero to beloved king. Now, in much of his life, he'd been the exemplar of godly character. And then we read in 1 Samuel 11, he happened upon a beautiful lady, maybe at most semi-clad, from his balcony. Now, in that moment, David, a married man with multiple wives, as it happened, decided to invite her round and to get everybody else out of the house. And maybe what started with coffee and cake, one thing led to another. And then there was a pregnancy. And then there was the death of her husband, both under suspicious circumstances. And I wonder, sometimes like you might do, why, why those situations worked out so differently? One reason, I believe, was to do with their prayer life. I think Joseph was spiritually alert. And he'd spotted the potential temptations. And I imagine he had prayed about it before it intensified. David, we know at the beginning of that chapter, he was in a different place now. He, he'd lost his guard. He'd, he'd become spiritually fat and lazy and, and unprepared prayerfully. He wasn't walking in the things of God in these moments. It's interesting, we find out afterwards what David prayed in Psalm 51. He said this, God, in his repentance, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Grant me a willing spirit. He didn't have a willing spirit. Jesus said the, you know, the spirit might be willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, David hadn't even got a willing spirit at this moment. If only he'd prayed beforehand, in advance. But let's look at this phrase, lead us not into temptation. I think over the years, Christians have been a little bit puzzled by the phrase. In fact, only in December, the Pope was reported in the news to want to change the English translation of that phrase. He wanted to change it to something like this, do not let us fall into temptation. I think his heart was good. He wanted to make sure that people understood that God wasn't going to push people into sin. And that God doesn't actually tempt anyone. But as has been pointed out in previous weeks, Jesus, when he, looked, when he gave us this prayer, didn't give us necessarily the words to pray. He gave us statements of faith, things to believe. Uh, and they would become the platforms for our prayers. And the words, if you like, are, are up to us with the Holy Spirit's help. So as well as believing that God's our Father, that his name will be honoured, that his kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven, as well as believing that God will provide for me the daily things I need, as well as believing that God will forgive me for the sins I confess, we can also believe that the Lord will lead us, not into temptation, but he will deliver us from evil. That's what we're to take from this line. And I just want to highlight three other passages in the Bible that will help us understand something of this concept of temptation. Well, the first one that will come up behind me, but you can look it up as well, is James chapter 1. It said this, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. He's talking about trials. He goes on in verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. 
I find those things very helpful. It gives me an understanding now of temptation. But firstly, it reminds me God does not, indeed cannot, tempt us with evil. That's not in him. But it also illustrates something of this phrase, this word temptation as it's translated in our English. Because actually the word is a little bit fatter, a bit broader than we may first appreciate. James, in verse 12 there, is using the same word that's translated trial in verse 12, as the word that's translated in the English as temptation in verse 13. So it's a bigger concept. The trial, which, looking at this verse, is, is, is somewhat positive in that it might cause us a positive outcome. Blessed is the one who perseveres, having stood the test, receiving a crown of life. There's reward for those who go through the test and the trial well. Is the same concept, lead us not into those things, as the temptation he's talking about in verse 13, which may have a more negative connotation. Another verse that really helps me understand this concept is in Matthew chapter 4. Again, it will be behind me. Hopefully, I'm not getting in the way of everything. This is a moment Jesus has been baptized in water. He's about 30 years old. He's going to start in a minute, or in 40 days, his uh, ministry. He's going to do the teaching stuff. He's going to do the miracles. He's going to do the healing thing. And just before that, in between those moments, it says this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And I know the preceding bit and the following bit are very interesting. We learn about how Jesus interacted with the devil and how he resisted the temptations that were thrown at him. But don't miss this little phrase. In Jesus' example of temptation, it's clear that the devil does the tempting. But it's also clear that the spirit does the leading. The Spirit led Jesus into the testing situation. Yet it was the devil that brought the temptation. And I think that it reflects actually what the Israelite people went through after they come through the Red Sea with Moses. So God had rescued them from the Egyptian army and from Pharaoh by parting the Red Sea miraculously. They came through it and they were just about to embark, they didn't know it, on years, 40 years of wandering in the desert, a bit like Jesus' 40 days of wilderness testing. And Moses sings this beautiful song, and right in the heart of it, he sings this. In your unfailing love, Lord, you will lead the people who you have redeemed. He's just celebrating the leadership of God, the character of love that will lead his people that he's now rescued. That's our God. Yet only a few verses later, we discover that for the Israelites too, this leading included testing. Yes, God miraculously turned kind of sour or salty water into fresh water. Yes, later, uh, like Nando's, lunches fell from the sky. A bit of poultry and a bit of carbs. Manna from heaven. Anyway, quail. Yeah, a bit of Nando's, early Nando's. But it was all for a purpose. He said, in this way, I will test them and see whether they follow my instruction. He wanted to teach the people to trust him, to obey him, whatever the situation, however testing the environment. He wanted to test them in his love 
And for me, that's just enough. Just looking at those few verses is enough for me to entrust my life to God. To say, yes, Lord, lead me. I trust you to lead my life. I trust you and I submit to the things you have for me. I'm not going to ask for testing times. I don't think it's right to ask stupid to ask for testing times. Jesus himself said, look, if, if this, could this cup not be taken away from me, but not my will, your will be done. We're not to pray for tests, but we're to know that God will lead us and he will provide for us and he will guide us and there will be rescue and there will be power and there will be deliverance in it, in whatever he brings us into. It's enough for me to understand that, that his character is good and for me and he loves me and his power is complete and, and significant and more than the devil's. It's enough for me to understand a little bit about the devil's schemes, how he begins to work, how he begins to sidetrack me, if he could. So, I just want to end with really what to pray. <laughs> you might understand all these things. Some of this may be helpful. But really, we can still come to this part of the prayer and be stumped. Lord, what, what, what do I actually pray here then? <laughs> I've got me five minutes. What do I pray under this heading? Firstly, deliver me from the immediate temptations. I think from my experience at least, praying through the headings of the Lord's Prayer, actually the Holy Spirit has already been speaking to me. And it's just a job at this moment to say, Holy Spirit, actually, you, I think you might have revealed some of my weaknesses as I've prayed. I think you might have just shown me some of my own vulnerabilities. I might have been praying, uh, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I, something I realize, yes, Lord, I do have temptation at times to seek uh, admiration of man, of other people, and not seek your glory. I don't think I have done, but I, I know that is an area of weakness of me. Thank you, Lord, for highlighting that. I want to pray about that. I want to pray and resist under those temptations. I may have been confessing some sin, Lord, because it comes to that, doesn't it? Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our debts. The Lord, yes, yes, you brought to mind. Yes, I need to confess that. Now is a good moment. Lead me not into temptation. Lord, what? Why did I do that? You just help me understand. Actually, I think I've prayed this prayer quite regularly, actually, Lord, this confession prayer. I seem to be going around in circles here. I thank you for your forgiveness. Now, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me. Show me. What do I need to believe that I'm not believing? What, 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 am I, what am I doing that I need to stop doing? Where, where do I need to cut this thing off? Where do I need to get ruthless here? Help me. Show me. I don't think we need to look much further than, if you like, at the end of our spiritual nose sometimes as to what to pray under this heading. But also, let's deliver me from the common temptations, from the typical ones, from the obvious ones. There's enough of them. We might not be sensing them at the moment. But, you know, intense temptation can be a surprise in the best of times. Things may be hunky-dory. Things may be going well. That's not to say there's a big lion around the corner that you weren't expecting. Adam and Eve were in paradise when they disobeyed. Judas, one of Jesus' 12, was the one who betrayed. Ananias and Sapphira were in revival when they lied. I don't know if they saw it coming. Life is a bit like crossing the M25 blindfolded. Don't try it. It's even more risky than you know, coming down on the snow. Uh, it's like that. We're blindfolded. We're standing, imagine there in the hard shoulder. There we are. We know from experience, because we've been one of them sometimes, that cars and lorries hurtle across this road at some velocity. And we can't see. 
I think instinctively we'd do a number of things. We would go very carefully. Or you might just run and go for it, I don't know. But we would be very careful. We'd, we'd be straining all our senses, or our remaining senses, particularly what we hear. Is a car coming? Can I sense it? Can I smell it? I don't know. But you'll be sensing as much as you can danger. But still you won't know. Some of these modern cars, they're very silent. These electric cars, you don't know with any warning that they're coming. And I guess that if anybody turned up and came alongside you and offered to help you across the road, you would grab it. You would take that help. You would be poised to rely upon it. I think that's the attitude we should take to spiritual dangers. The Freedom in Christ course, which we run very regularly at the church here, I'd recommend to every Christian. It really helps us in this area. But it does talk about three types of spiritual attack. Attack that comes through the world. The subtle ways in which it tries to uh, encourage us into worldly standards rather than Jesus' standards. Attacks can come through the flesh, those internal desires and appetites of ours that will try and drag us away into things unhelpful. And also the devil directly, sidetracking us with lies, with accusations, with deceit, with obstacles in our path that will get our focus away from God's plans. So we need to pray that God will rescue us from each of these influences. There's some classics, aren't there? We know what they are. Money, sex, and power. There we are. You might think, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not tempted to commit adultery tomorrow. But, but, but what about the other areas? What, where is the pinch point potentially for you? Is it pornography? It's not readily available. Is it, is it in other things? Is it in lust? Is it in inappropriate relationships? Well, money, yeah, I haven't got enough money to be kind of, you know, greedy. I, it's not about how much money you've got. It's about, about the temptations to be miserly, ungenerous, the temptations to be less than cheerful in our generosity. It's a temptation to kind of hoard and rely on our own devices. It can attack us in all sorts of ways. It might not just be the big ones. It might be something else. Power. Oh, I haven't got any power. I've got no influence. I'm not a particular leader person. I've got no response. No, but still... The moments where we can influence others, manipulate others, there's temptations there. Let's pray about them in advance that God will rescue us. Some of the common ones for me, and they'll be different for each of us, some of the common sort of arenas of my battles are feeling overwhelmed, feeling disappointed, feeling frustrated. In fact, I could probably put those as labels over a number of the last years, one each for one of the years. They themselves aren't the temptation. That's the, mo- the emotion. That's something of the trial that God has led me into. But there's temptations in those arenas. If I'm overwhelmed, I'm tempted to be anxious. I was a very anxious young teenager, very anxious. So I know there's a vulnerability there. I need to pray about it in advance. I can get disappointed. Yes, it's an emotion. I want to express that rightly, but it can also be a temptation in there to give up. I need to resist that temptation. Frustration, okay, Jesus was frustrated at times, but the temptation for me is to blame others, defend myself. It wasn't me, it was my fault. So we need to be wary of our areas of common battle. And thirdly, we need to pray for others, that God will deliver them also. We noted from this prayer of Jesus' that every line is plural. Lead us, deliver us. 
And it's same with this area as well. We must pray for one another. Paul, in many of his letters, wrote about others praying for God to deliver them, uh, his team and him. He said to the Corinthians, God has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. He was dependent on the prayers of others for God's deliverance. He said to the Philippian church, For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Two essential ingredients, the prayer of others and the provision of the Spirit will deliver us. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, he says to the Thessalonians, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honoured just as it was with you, and pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, not, for not everyone has faith. He's dependent on the prayer of others, so should we be. Let's be the contributors to that. Let's gather and pray when we, uh, we have a church initiative like we have Tuesday week. We've got a week of prayer coming up in April. Let's gather together to pray for one another, to pray for others that God will deliver us. So there we are. We're at World War Church. There's an enemy out there who hates us. But God is our Father. And his is the kingdom. And his is the power. And his is the glory. Amen. Amen. He can and he will deliver us from evil. So let's be watchful. Let's be prayerful. Let's submit to his leadership. That's Jesus. Let's resist the devil's temptation. Let's pass through these trials. Let's see these obstacles removed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise you. Praise God.